Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, This is one long funeral, Um, but it's richly deserved, right? Um, First Lady of the United States. What is Judy Woodruff doing up there? Judy Woodruff, queen of fake news. Well, it's very, very swampy. Why would she be so chummy with the first lady, Rosalind Carter? Hmm. I've seen some peculiar fellows speak at funerals. Like, how did that guy know that guy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, all right, whatever. Um, maybe they were tight. Isn't she supposed to be neutral, right, Judy Woodruff? Um. She is a bit of a fake news hound. What is that weird thing? Oh, recently she interviewed uh, uh, Joe Biden. Let him get away with murder. Total murder. And whenever she brought up, waited till the end. You know, your critics are saying that you shouldn't have had those classified documents. What do you say to your critics? That kind of thing, right? Very, very weak. Um, And Joe was there, too. Joe was there. Well, what else is he going to do? This is his... Muscle memory. This is what vice presidents do. They go to uh, they go to funerals. And uh, hey, I am quite frankly sick of all the talk about a ceasefire in Israel. Uh, we got to take. We got to take. We got to get rid of Hamas. Period. Um, I am really afraid that they're taking their eye off of the ball here. That's the mission. I'm glad the hostages were coming home. It shows you what barbarians they were in the first place. Taking them. That baby, they still have a baby in custody, a nine-month-old baby. Um, I just, now that we stopped everything and the hostages are coming back, in dribs and drabs, you got 24 hours or else. I don't know. I think that tends to work sometimes. What is something that Hamas really, really, really likes? Maybe we should go after that. I will say this also. Uh, I looked it up. The Iraq War, I was there. I knew it was a farce. I knew it was uh, unwarranted. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And I knew it. Did you say it, Greg? Well, actually, not beforehand. Not beforehand. I was there as a reporter. I know my dad said it out loud. He didn't like it. He didn't see the necessity. He thought it would bring on more terror attacks, possibly in New York. I flew over Iraq. I knew that there was no... uh Threat that Saddam did not pose a threat to pilots. That's what George W. Bush cited as one of the reasons to go to war, uh, shooting at our pilots. Well, I was one of those pilots. He never shot at anybody in like 12 years. So that was a lie. Uh, but the weapons of mass destruction, which was also a lie. Anyway, why do I bring that up? Because if you could, if you go back to 2003, nobody but nobody was talking about a ceasefire after that war started. We need a ceasefire to get so to protect the women and the children. No, that never happened. They never talked about that. They never talked about that in Afghanistan, about a ceasefire. No, 
there was talk about maybe we should get out of Afghanistan by that ceasefire. I don't think there was one day over there we didn't shoot somebody. Now, where was the concern about the collateral damage? You can look that up, too. The women and children who were killed, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, yet no call for a ceasefire. Yet here, after 1,500 of their brothers and sisters and children were slaughtered, uh, the pressure is on Israel to stop fighting. Uh, why is that? Why is it just for Israel, just for them? You can't avenge these losses. You can't go after the enemy. You can't. you got to stop right now. Show me where there was ever this much pressure for a ceasefire in a previous conflict. <clears throat> I mean, there may be one. I don't think so. I just don't think I really don't. World War II, Vietnam. No. Certainly not a ceasefire because we're we're worried about the women and children. They're forgotten. Forgotten. Now, I'm worried. I don't want anybody, nobody who's innocent to be killed. But it's going to happen in war. It's going to happen. It seems like this thing is getting so drawn out. Gaza is so small. I got to get some brainiacs around here. Let's get Gordon Chang on the phone and uh, and that retired general. We like, what's the holdup? It is so small. Hey, I did something pretty interesting. I compared the border zone of Gaza to the border zone of various countries, including our own. <laughs> the border zone of Gaza, organized, um, not crowded. Uh, a single file line of people from Gaza into Egypt. The same thing from Ukraine into Poland. It's like a demilitarized zone. Nothing going on there. America, total chaos, total pandemonium. It looks like a war zone. It looks like a total war zone. Um, what is happening? What is that? This is what he's impeached, uh, impeachable on. Hey, everybody says uh, that, what's the report? Oh, yeah. Hunter Biden is going to testify, it looks like, uh, on December 11th or December 13th before the House Oversight Committee. Um, this is probably a mistake for the House Oversight Committee. Here's how it's going to go down. Hunter Biden gets there. Uh, and his own team, they want to do this now. They have, and they've been planning this for a long time. I don't think this is going to work out well for those of us who know that Hunter Biden is uh, a thoroughly corrupt and a conduit of corruption for his dad um, because he's going to deliver the opening statement that can take 10 minutes and it's going to be a withering critique of anything Republican, of anything Trump, of anything MAGA. He's going to talk about how much of a victim he is. He wrote about this in the USA Today. He wrote a big op-ed. So he'll read that op-ed and then some. And it'll be very well written. It'll be very powerful about how unfair it was and how horrible it is. And he's suffering from addiction and so many families have gone through the same thing. But he's being singled out because he's a Biden. Right. So that statement's going to be pretty powerful. And then we'll start the questioning. And who's going to start the questioning? You know who they don't have on the House Oversight Committee? One of my favorite congressmen. And he's not even on the Judiciary Committee anymore. Mike Johnson. Now he's a speaker. And he's the one guy. The one guy, after a incredibly powerful opening statement, and you're like, oh, my God, how's how's anybody going to top that? Mike Johnson tops that. Uh, that's all well and good, but we're here to talk about, boom, and then he starts pounding and pounding and pounding, not yelling and screaming, not talking real fast, but just 
a methodical, common sense uh, presentation and question and hopefully answer. And he just does it so well. I don't know if there's anybody else who can do it that well. And they only get, what, five minutes of the questioning, right? Five minutes of questions. And then a Democrat gets to go. And it's not like the January 6th hearings. Remember, I mean, these are real. These are real Democrats. These are real. They oppose what's happening to Hunter. The Repub- They re- oppose the Republicans. What happened during the January 6th hearings? You had the Democrats and then you had the rhinos. <laughs> you had Liz Cheney. You had Adam Kinzinger. You had never Trumpers like that. So they could get some real momentum going, and they could really move the needle, and they presented a show. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be very contentious. It's going to be like, on the one hand, there's this. On the one hand, there's that. Oh, I don't know what to believe. Oh, I don't know what's going on here. Everybody seems to have a good point, and it'll be a great big wash. So I don't know. I don't know. I hope they know what they're doing. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. The other thing that's cool right now is... It's going to be a depression, not a recession. Are you ready for a depression? Are you ready? And how do we get ready? I've already actually stocked up on water and canned food and bullets, just in case, um, because I think we're going there. I think we're going there. And what really brought it home, that figure in the newspaper the other day, New York businesses lost $4 billion to shoplifting, Four billion dollars to shoplifting in a year now retail is not going to be here for much longer unless a miracle happens retail is going to be a thing of the past very very soon Uh, you won't be able to go to a shop you won't be able to go to a grocery store it'll all be online it'll all be amazon and a billionaire by the name of bezos will get even richer and more powerful and we'll all be working for him and the middle class will be yet yet again another Another kind of road to prosperity, right? The retail business, owning a mom-and-pop shop, right? You won't be able to do that. There will be no retail presence. Everything everything will be e-commerce. And that's going to just, I mean, that's going to screw everything up. Screw everything up. And the businesses now that have the plastic barriers and that kind of thing and all these shoplifting prevention tools, they're expensive. I don't think you can make money that way. I put a video up on my social a while back. It went totally mega viral. I, I went into uh, a drugstore to buy jelly beans. At the time, I was eating a lot of candy. I genuinely went in there for jelly beans. I personally like Brock's jelly beans, the old-fashioned ones. Black and the white ones are my favorite flavor. Anyway, I had to ask the guy to come around with the key to open the thing so you can get the jelly beans. I understand they don't want people stealing stuff. Everybody's stealing everything. The security guards have instructions. Don't chase anybody. The police are now no longer in a position to do it. Uh, shoplifting has been de facto legalized, and uh, this is inevitably going to a depression. We haven't had one since, what, 1929, 1930? Um, bring in an economist. I would love to know that I'm, I'm wrong here. I would love it, but I don't think so. And uh, that's that's the shoplifting. My gosh. Uh, some people see it as a civil right. I told you the Nikki Haley story. I'll skip that. Oh, yeah. And oh, my friend George Santos, Congressman Santos might get expelled today. Let me look at the it hasn't happened yet. All right. Santos is an all right guy. I know he lied on his resume. Who hasn't? Who hasn't lied on their resume? Actually, I never lied on my resume. My resume is very short. 
It's very short, but it's all facts. I was I took pride in not embellishing anything. It's just got a bunch of little facts, and the facts are pretty cool. They stand on their own. One time I remember a guy called me up. He said, I can't hire you, but I just had to talk to you. Did you really land on an aircraft carrier 158 times? <sighs> yeah, I did, actually. And it really made my day because I was, this is 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, looking for a job. Finally, the phone rang, and he didn't have a job, but he wanted the chit-chat. And uh, he's like, how do you know it's 158 landings? I mean, did you count? I said, well, I didn't count, but we have um, clerks who actually count for us. It's true. You log, you come back from a flight, you fill out some paperwork, and then they put it in your logbook, and they put the type of landing down. Was it a land, a land-based landing? Was it a sea-based landing? Was it a vertical landing? What is it? And they have a little code for that, and you can count them and you can add them up. I still have my logbook. Um, so there's that. And the other thing, oh, we got to find that dude who made the mistake. And as I do that, I'll take a quick, quick call from you, Doug. Uh, Ronald Reagan famously said, you know, the most terrifying words in the English language. You heard about how that education secretary screwed that up? It's pretty funny. We'll have it in the moment. Doug, what's up? How are you today, Greg? Thanks for taking my call. I, I wanted to comment about uh, the the transgender, not transgender, the LGBT uh, thing up on the church. I had this discussion with my daughter years ago, and we were talking about it um, to begin with. I think what James had said before about how things have changed since the Bible was written, yeah, things have changed, but God hasn't changed. God, if, if you're saying God has changed, then you're basically demonizing his perfect plan to begin with. All right? So that is addressing that. But going back to the thing with the discussion I had with my daughter about acting on if you have a desire to be with the same sex I explained to her, I, and she was a lot younger then. This is going back 20-something years ago. I had said, I'm not saying that people might not have been born gay or they became gay. I really don't know. It's not my expertise. I'm not a doctor. I believe that if people have the tendencies that they'd rather be with the opposite, with the same sex, it's just as much of a sin as, as, as me being a heterosexual having a desire to have sex with someone outside my marriage. So it's the, it's the act of performing and falling to the desires. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You just said, you just said, and I appreciate you calling. Thank you. And good talk with your daughter there. But uh, I want to make a distinction here. Although I'm doubly confused. I think you said, though, that just the desire is a sin. And it's funny because the Bible does say something along those lines, and although it's debatable. There are things in the Bible that are debatable and open to interpretation. And Jimmy Carter once said, I have sinned because I have lust in my heart for other women. Do you know that? He said that in Playboy magazine of all places. Um, so uh, you, you make a distinction, right, between the desire and the act, acting on the desire, right? Yes. All right. The, the, the desire, I do not say, is a sin. I don't say the desire is a sin. Acting on the desire for the sin is the sin. So if you are gay and you have a desire to be with a, right. the same sex. No, we get it. We get it. We get it. Acting on it is the sin. 
And if the same- I gotta go, buddy. Uh, you, uh, we, I totally get it. I am up against a break. Doug, thank you. And, uh, I, I'm glad you had that talk with your daughter. I'll be having those talks with my daughter pretty soon. Actually, I hope they're not too soon. I'll be right back. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're trying to find Ronald Reagan when he said that amazing, uh, it was an amazing statement, Ronald Reagan, my gosh. Uh, and just watching him, we really were blessed. Ronald Reagan, what a special, special man. And um, I just, uh, we were incredibly blessed. And you know, it's really cool to see that picture of Ronald Reagan with Donald Trump. Uh, they met several times, but there was a picture of them together in the White House and uh, there is a uh, little story going around that uh, Reagan, when he met him, thought to himself, wow, I feel like this man is the president. Turns out to be a bogus story, uh, but a nice one, but uh, not true. Hey, the other thing about Pablo Guzman is he's one of the reporters who reported Pablo Guzman, by the way, Channel 2 reporter, Channel 5 reporter uh, in New York broadcasting for like 40 years Died yesterday at the age of 73. I met him a couple of times, liked him a lot. I remember when he interviewed my dad for the first time in 1985. It was a big deal. Pablo Guzman, we saw him on the news. and um, But Pablo pointed out that on, uh, let's see, on 9-11, that there were, in fact, um, celebrations going on in Jersey City. And Dan Rather said the same thing. Um and it was said on television, they said these things on television. And I think it's, um, when Donald Trump says it, oh, no, that's crazy. Oh, no, 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 that's the craziest thing we ever heard. It's not crazy. It was reported at the time. And pa- I don't think anybody would accuse Pablo Guzman of uh, fake news. Would Do you? Would you? So um, I think he was a straight shooter. And uh, who else did we lose? Oh, Dr. Max Gomez. He died a little a while back, too. And I told you about all the women. All these local reporters dying in their late 40s or early 50s. Women with children who report on the early morning shift. Four of them over the past couple of years. It's a dangerous job. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. 
The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The best street reporter in the history of New York City. And wow, his own story was really something else. I love reporting in New York. This job never ceases to amaze me. This city made Pablo Guzman who he was. He was just like it. Brilliant. Tough. With a tender side, too. What about school? I never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. With Cindy Shue and Pablo Guzman together on the CBS 2 News desk, they kept it real. Yeah, y'all done now? Yes. Okay. For him, there was no other way. He knew everybody, um, even on the shady side of the law. Guzman graduated from the Bronx High School of Science in 1968 and attended the State University of New York at Old Westbury. In the 1970s, before covering news in print and on radio and TV, he was making news. And his life was rough and tumble with the Young Lords, a primarily Puerto Rican revolutionary party. Everybody here, go out, and you go out proud, no matter what happens. Because this church is ours. This is a people's church. You see, in the 1970s, I ran these streets with the Young Lords Party. And I learned that nobody gives you anything on a silver platter, especially not a news story. That's why I go after him with the same drive I used back then. His television career highlights at channels 5, 4, and, and here at 2 included everything Gotti. Gaining extraordinary trust and access to all the players. Coverage of 9-11 and its aftermath. And countless community stories that took him to almost every neighborhood and won him legions of fans. All right. So beautiful uh, tribute there from Channel 2 for Pablo Guzman. As uh, Bruce Cutler used to call him, Pablo. Pablo, Pablo, Pablo. Pablo. It's Pablo. Uh what was Bruce Cutler? Bruce Cutler was John Gotti's lawyer, one of them, right? You don't see these lawyers like you used to do. They used to loom so large. We used to wonder about, you know, where do you get those suits made, Bruce? Anyway, so uh, one thing that's being overlooked in all of the tributes to Pablo, Pablo Guzman, 73, dead yesterday, died. Uh, condolences to his family. That's 73. That seems young these days, right? It's young. Um, I don't see any mention anywhere of the very important work he did in the aftermath of September 11th when he reported on the celebrations that were happening in Jersey City among certain Muslim individuals. They were jumping up and down and chanting as those towers came down. And at one point, it looked like they were waiting for them to come down. CBS is not uh, Breitbart News, okay? And I love Breitbart News, but it's not conservative. It's... uh, it's as, quite frankly, liberal as they come, although he was uh, straight down the middle. And listen to this report. And it took me about a half hour to find it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm pretty good at finding stuff on the Internet. They don't want you to see this. Um, fortunately, if it was removed and certain links no longer worked, I have it in a safe place, unconnected to the Internet. Now, you got to listen closely here. The anchor is a guy named McDermott, Todd McDermott, I think, and there's the co-anchor, and they introduce him, and he starts talking about his report. Remember, this is just a couple of days after 9-11. Go. 
Back on this sixth night, the work does continue there, the crater and all that destruction downtown. Upon President Bush's return to the White House today from Camp David, he vowed to get the evildoers, saying they had made a terrible, terrible mistake in assuming that the U.S. would not take immediate action. Pablo Guzman is here now, the latest on the investigation. We have arrests and arrest warrants. Pablo? Dana, step by step it happens. Now most of you know that yesterday the FBI raided an apartment in Jersey City where two men lived who were pulled off a train in Texas and are now back in New York being held in connection with Tuesday's attacks. Ayub Ali Khan, 51, and Mohammed Jawi Azmat, 47, taken off the train they had boarded after their flight out of Newark, like every other flight in America, was ordered down after the attacks in New York, Washington, and Pennsylvania. However, what no one outside the terrorist task force knows is that just a couple of blocks away from that Jersey City apartment the FBI raided yesterday and where they had evidence removed, there's another apartment building, one that investigator told me, quote, is swarming with suspects. Suspects who I'm told were cheering on the roof when they saw the plane slam into the trade center. Now, police were called to the building by other neighbors and found eight men celebrating, six of them tenants in the building. The FBI and other terrorist task force agencies then arrived, and the older investigators on the task force recalled that they had been to this building before, eight years ago, when the first World Trade Center attack led them to Sheikh Omar Abdul Rahman. And that guy's still in jail, right? The blind Sheikh? Is he still alive? Well, did you hear that part about the celebration on the roof? Uh, <laughs> you got it? Because every time Donald Trump says it, oh, he's lying, oh, he's making that up. Well, Greg, have you seen the video? Uh, where's the video? You know, every time I read a story in the New York Times, you know what it doesn't have? Video. <laughs> it's just reporters writing stuff. Well, that was Pablo saying something as somebody told him. An FBI source. And I believe him, actually, in this, in this case. And, you know, it's all murky to me now. But I may have seen video back then. I don't remember. I don't remember. But I think that that happened. And you're not even supposed to say it. You can't even look it up on the Internet. Possibly his most significant report in his career has been acid-washed from the Internet. You know what I just played you? That's a recording of a recording of a recording. (laughs) People (laughs) taking a picture of a picture, right? Recording a video of a video. Because... CBS doesn't want you to have it. The government doesn't want you to have it. Um, but it exists, and he said it. And that's not artificial intelligence, all right? This thing has been out there for a long time, and it's important. Why don't they want us to know this stuff, huh? Why not? It's a good question, don't you think? All right, the other thing that we have to talk about, oh, George Santos, good guy. He's probably going to get voted out today. Um, Republican from Long Island. Yeah, I said he's a good guy. Yeah, I know. He lied on his resume. From what I can tell, actually, he told uh, roughly 37 less lies about his career than Joe Biden has about his own. 37. And Joe's were far more egregious. And plenty of others, too. Plenty of others. I mean, what's egregious with Joe? Well, three degrees when you only had one. Top of your law school class when you barely finished law school at all at the bottom of the class. You got the international moot court competition when there was no international moot court competition that year. 
You got just lie after lie. And then the other ones, like I got shot at in Iraq. Joe has said that. My son, Bo, died in Iraq. He didn't. He died in Bethesda, Maryland. That kind of stuff. That kind of sickening, nauseating stuff. And Joe sits there, the president of the United States, and he continues to lie. Nobody calls him out on it. Nobody. The record, by the way, the truth, these clips of him being caught in lie, they're, 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 they're basically the Internet is being wiped clean of anything that's embarrassing to people in power. And pretty soon it's just going to be my memory of this stuff. I think they're coming after us. I, I, I'm not trying to, but I, I, I do. There's something. Hey, Mike Pompeo is hanging around last. Uh, he says that, uh, that, and I like Mike up until the time he ran against President Trump and tried to score some cheap shots against President Trump. Let's listen to Mike uh, with Hannity. Cut four. I hope what Senator Cotton described, I fear that they are not. You know, he and I have been working on this Iran problem together since 2015, since the first inklings of the JCPOA. It's coming on a decade now. And what you can say over this entire decade is there's only one thing that Iran will respond to. If we're going to protect American soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, if we're going to protect the American homeland from attacks by Hezbollah cells that are in South America or perhaps even here inside the United States, you, you can't just go after their proxies. The fact that there are Hamas fighters dying while the Iranians are sitting in Tehran laughing uh, is exactly what the Ayatollah had hoped for. And so Senator Cotton's right. This will have to be cost-imposing on the regime itself. We know how to do it. The target list is long. The tools and set, the tool set that we have isn't just uh, operational and open. It's clandestine and deep. All right, Mike, thanks a lot. Uh, good stuff. He's a brainiac, total brainiac. <laughs> he really is smart. He's a crummy politician, though, uh, at least at the presidential level. All right, here's the... Here's the thing we were talking about. Ronald Reagan famously said this about the government um, before, during, and after his presidency. Go. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Now, I've heard him do that where there's a crowd and they go bananas. <laughs> they love that line. Nine most terrorizing words, frightening words. I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Because uh, Reagan wasn't a fan of big government. We all know that. So there's a secretary of education, Cardona, I believe his name is. They ought to get rid of the education department. We don't need one at the federal level. We don't want one at the federal level. But there it is. The bureaucracy keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They're all meddling into stuff that the province of parents and not bureaucrats. This guy's a secretary of education. He needs to do some homework. Listen to how he bastardized that line. Go ahead. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. <laughs> uh, what a chump, huh? <laughs> I think it was President Anyway, um, boy, education department. What do they do all day long? What do they do? Hey, and the other thing is uh, kids, you know. I'm sick of talking about the crummy teachers, and there are some crummy teachers. I had plenty of them. I also had a really good one, too. Mr. Lapper was great. Mr. Rivadoo was great. Miss Eckhart was pretty good. Mrs. Furman was terrible. Mrs. Gillespie was the worst. I can say all these names because, uh, let me think, they're dead. Uh, Mrs. Schmidt was crazy. Miss Schmidt, rather. Um, boy, I can't, I won't say her first name, but the, the first name to this day it just gives me the shivers. For a long time, there was another teacher I had. His first name was Gilbert. 
if I met somebody by the name of Gilbert, I'm like, I just instantly dislike them. I couldn't. That was kind of traumatizing. A lot of school was. All right, let's do the calls real quick. Uh, we got Gabriella. Hello. Hi, how are you? So I'm basically here because I just I'm so sick of hearing about these oppressed gay men and women. And I, to bring it to the churches now, on top of everything else, enough is enough. You know, I'm a parent. I'm a mother of three. I'm worried every day that, you know, my children are going to be indoctrinated, you know, in their education. And I'm praying to God that day doesn't come. And I fear it, honestly. They're like an army. It's an army of gay people that us parents are up against. And it's like, if you don't agree with them, you're you're banned from society. We're being forced. This agenda is being forced upon us. And it's completely unfair. Uh, Look, a couple of quick things. Number one, not all gay people are on board with this agenda. There are plenty of gay conservatives. And one of my favorite groups out there, Gays Against Groomers, they're fantastic. Christina's up there in Connecticut. She hates this stuff. So there are plenty of people who are not in this army. We remember that. And, uh, you know, uh, don't let them make you feel any way. What are you doing to fight it other than praying? Uh, you know, just, you know, I'm teaching my children every day. You know, you love everybody. You don't, you know, hate anyone. But there's certain things that I don't I don't want my children being brought up with those thoughts in their head that the schools are trying to push on us parents. I know. Childhood is crazy and weird enough. You know what I mean? It, it, now it's now it's just gone berserk. The stuff that uh, they've been exposed to. How old are your kids? They're getting up there. You know, they're eight and nine years old. Oh, yeah, they're getting up there all right. Oh, come on. I thought you were going to. I'm sorry. Eight and nine? Brand new. How about the other one? You said you had three. Yeah, my well, my third is he's new. So he's 10 months old. I'm not too worried yet, but I I guess I should be. That's quite the gap. That's quite the gap. Was the third one a surprise? Yes, he was. Beautiful surprise. Yeah. It's also beautiful that, you know, you're still active uh, so far into the marriage. <laughs> that That is true. Well, I, I love my, my straight husband sitting next to me here. That's a, a man. He identifies as a real man. <laughs> All right. Well, I love it. Thank you very much, Gabriella. Uh, let's try G- Shmuel. I'm sorry. What's your name in New Jersey, Sh- uh, sir? Who is this? Who is this? Hello? Well, same to you. Uh, Joe in Mount Sinai. Hello, uh, Greg. Uh, You said earlier, how does this one know that one? There's always something that's like you and I. I live next door to your uh, co-anchor on, uh, what is that, Good, uh, Good Morning New York, whatever it was. And I never saw her on 11th Avenue in Brooklyn. And as far as Mr. Biden and and these crooked politicians, I heard a a commercial yesterday about childhood hunger. And I can't believe that there's not a revolution in this country where people say, hey, stop spending our money on other countries. Take care of us first. Close the border. Round up these people and get their Tell them to put their heads between their legs and kiss their asses goodbye. That's enough with this. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Round up these people 
put their head between their legs and kiss their ass goodbye. As in, uh, what, I don't know, I don't want to know what the hell you're getting at here. I, what do you mean by, uh, Joe, come on, man, you're pretty intense. That means, that means go back to where you came from. Put your head between your legs, kiss your ass goodbye. Well, no way. Uh, kiss your ass goodbye. Well, they're not, I mean, all right, I just, that's a little bit crude for me and, uh, uh, you know, there are, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I'm all for mass deportations of people who are here illegally. Can you say that? Mass deportations of people who are here illegally? Instead of just mass rounding deport- them? I mean, I don't know who the hell you're talking about. You know what I mean? I just want to make sure we're talking about the same group of people. And we're not talking about uh, shooting anybody, you know? Believe it or not, I got some, you know, uh, this show does have some standards. All right, Joe. Um, I got to go. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, did you hear about the uh, wife of the serial killer alleged, Rex Hoyerman? Her name is uh, uh, something Icelandic, Asa Ellerup. Ellerup, uh, a woman, uh, she's what, 59 years old, married to Rex Hoyerman, although I think they're in the process of getting a divorce you remember several months ago, they caught the uh, Gilgo Beach serial murderer. They believe the evidence would appear to be overwhelming. Uh, probably should have been solved 10 years ago. But uh, and, you know, the broken down, uh, dilapidated house and uh, could not have been any picnic being married to uh, Rex. Right. In that environment. Well, did you hear that NBC News, NBC News has signed a deal where they're basically going to do a reality TV show around the life of Mrs. Hoyerman and the two kids, uh, the two adult children. They're going to follow them around uh, through this process, the pretrial, the trial, and, you know, all that stuff. They've been paid, or they're going to be paid, a lot of money. And um, I'm actually okay with that. I know. I'm actually I'm actually okay with that. I, I'm sorry, but I have sympathy for these people. I have sympathy. I don't believe they knew a damn thing about it. I don't. I got that from the police. They don't think they knew a damn thing about it. But you know the victims, and we obviously have a lot of sympathy for the victims here and their families. And I hope they're being compensated in some way. But there's a lot of natural sympathy for crime victims, right? There is, and there are organizations out there designed to help them. Uh, not so much for those who know the accused, and they are really scorned. And I think it's a very, very tough place to be. And they're in a desperate situation. This might help them get back up on their feet. Barbara, hello. Uh, hi, Greg. All the issues that you're mentioning today all come down to one umbrella, one umbrella purpose of this government, which is to stop any opposition to government control of everything in this country. They want to silence Trump. They want to silence Christians. They want God out of the picture. So government is everything. They want to get rid of the nuclear family, the Constitution. Well, President Harry Truman had something to say in 1950 in a special message to Congress. He said, once a government is committed to silencing the voice of the opposition, it becomes a source of terror to all its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. Damn, Harry S. Truman nailed it once again. I'm going to look up that quote. Barbara, your wisdom is so appreciated, really. And I'm sorry I can't always get right back, but, uh, Barbara, that's a doozy. 
Harry Truman, great man. Thank you, Barbara. And we got to wrap things up with uh, Sandra. Hello. Hey, Greg. Um, I saw, thanks to you, the movie last night, The Fall of Minneapolis. And, um, you know, Ron Emanuel said a quote, never let a crisis go to waste. After watching this movie, this document, I, I, my whole picture of the whole situation is different. And I'm wondering if this was for political purposes for the Democratic people. I, I, I think I feel sorry for both of them. I feel sorry for George Floyd. I feel sorry for Derek Chauvin, who came, at, came there at the very, very end. And, you know, according to the video, maybe he didn't do what they're saying he did. But there were so many other things that is shown in this video. All the police were very patient with, with George I know Floyd. they were trying to help him at one point, you know. Yeah. You think this was for political reasons? Absolutely. I'll see you soon. Many thanks. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.